<laughs> Goodness, that was that was a up. lot right there. Kyle just tried to count me down from three, and I think it went three, two, uh, two and a half. Language. I think it was sign language. One, to be honest, zero. Like, I just... <laughs> oh man, Kyle, how you doing today, man? I'm good. You're good, apart from your fingers not one. Hey, it's because it's a little chilly outside. It is, you know, and and just got a, you know, just been typing a lot, and so yes. maybe that's what it is that my yeah. fingers are used, carpal or, carpal tunnel. Yeah, yeah. You Cor- can have corporal tunnel syndrome. You can have. I can't even spell. I can't spell corporal. I get can't. Alone. Lieutenant. Why Whoa. can't you never spell like any of those like Colonel? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Colonel, bro? Where's the R? I don't know. It doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't make any logical sense that C O L O N E L would produce Colonel like a popcorn. Yeah, Colonel. I don't. I don't get it. But I mean, maybe are, that's why Colonel Sanders like w- spelt his name that way because he knew nobody could find him because they couldn't oh. spell Colonel. And he wow, was, like, was he so in you hiding? Can't, you can't get my secret recipe. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I didn't know if like there was like some <laughs> Colonel Sanders lore where he was like always hiding or like running away. But it makes sense. He was hiding that recipe. Mm. But it is finger licking good. It's it's good. College conversation podcast brought to you by yeah. KFC. KFC. Um, which speaking of, they do a two for five with their wraps. No joke. It's really good. They have a good chicken wrap. We could do this. Like if we could convince them. Yeah, they'd sponsor it. Yeah, we've turned the house into a den of thieves. <laughs> no, we just do. give it all. Like we no, just yeah. tithe everybody. We'll give it away. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah we'll give ten percent back of give our away, KFC give earnings. It away, give it away. <laughs> can you imagine if we showed up in like KFC shirts like on Sunday morning? What if someone like, walked in and we just like have the whole like Colonel Sanders? <laughs> you have the hat and the white mustache with the little goatee. Yeah, right the here. goatee. At least yeah. I'll finally have facial hair. That's but true. can you imagine someone's like, "Why are you doing that?" It's like I'm under contract. Like speaking of, hey, it's finger looking good. <laughs> like every time someone asks, you have to say the catchphrase. I hope this, that's a thing. This is KFC. the wildest start yeah. to any to any podcast. KFC, this is our cry for help. Please sponsor us. Help us help us paint our college room, not yeah. burnt orange. Yeah, we need new carpet on our wall, <laughs> which is not where carpet usually goes. What if, they, what if they actually did pay to like change it, but they made it like the KFC bucket like back in the day, and it was just like white and red stripes. White and red stripes the whole way through. It might actually look better. It would look patriotic at the it least. Would. Yeah. It would. All yeah. the old people would be really psyched yes, about it. Exactly. Like, look, go look at our college theater. They know what they're doing. They know. They know what's important in this world. <laughs> The America, <laughs> um, man. Well, I hope that this podcast is uh, ear tickling good today, mm. um, not finger licking good. <laughs> um, but today we're gonna uh, do a couple things. We're gonna kind of debrief Go Day a little bit. We're going to talk about evangelism. We're gonna think about what obedience in evangelism looks like, and kind of where this conversation is stemming from is that you know from the pulpit, it's really easy for uh, guys like Pastor Kyle and I to say. Um, you know, hey, go tell your friends about Jesus or go have gospel conversations. And and we say that with a very good heart because we want to see you living out the Great Commission. But the reality is, is that probably for most of you guys, when we say that, you're like, yeah, but where do I start? What do I do? How in the world do I even prepare for something like that? And so uh, we're going to start real quick with Acts 1-8, and then we'll, we'll follow up with some questions. Um, this is right after Jesus has um, uh, been with the disciples now for— about 40 days, he's about to go up and ascend into heaven. Um, he's been walking around in his glorified body, walking through walls and whatnot. I don't know how that all works, but that's what he's been doing. And he gives them this final commission right before he goes up. He said to them, verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has uh, fixed by his own authority. Speaking of, of course, his second coming. This is what he promises them, verse 8. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my keyword here, witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, Kyle, like a uh, church back in the day, I asked the question, can I get a witness? Um, but no, seriously, um, what... What is what is Christ, I guess, asking them, not asking, not by any means asking, commanding them to do um, when he tells them to be his witnesses in all of these areas? Yeah, and I think, well, first thing to, to preface, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is a command that is general to, to every single person that is in Christ, right? Um, even if you're behind the pulpit, like you're you're called to go and share the gospel, like you're, you're still supposed to be a follower of Christ to your neighbor, right? Yeah, wow. It's not looking at your neighbor saying, hey, just come hear me preach, and then you'll really understand mm-hmm. what I think or what I believe, and we can have a conversation from there. It's, you know, I'm cutting my grass, you're cutting your grass, let's stand and talk. Like I'm still engaging in those conversations, and so this is a generic call for all followers of Christ, um, you know, part of the Great Commission, you know, to go and be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria. Um, and if you look at the the region, uh, Judea, Samaria, th- those are areas that are close by mm-hmm. in proximity in, in Jerusalem. And so it's like, be my witnesses in... To your, to your in, neighbors. In, to, to your neighbors. Be my witnesses in Polk County, like right. in city of mm-hmm. Lakeland, right? Be my witnesses here and then in, in other countries and then to the ends of the earth. Um, but in Acts chapter 1, what, what Jesus is doing is he's telling those that are following him that that he will uh, when he leaves the spirit of god will come mm-hmm. right in john 14 and john 16 jesus talks about yes. that the father is going to uh, the, the you know there's someone that comes after me to be a helper mm-hmm. um and, and this helper in in john chapter 14 will help y- you to remember all that i've said and then in john chapter 16 we see that the helper or the holy spirit also um convicts the world regarding sin regarding righteousness and and, and regarding judgment right mm-hmm. and so um we see that the Holy Spirit is coming to do all of those things, but at the same time, we also see, you know, Jesus say that when the Holy Spirit comes, He will give you power. He will give you the words to say. Yeah. And so what He's what He's saying here in, in Acts chapter one is that when the Holy Spirit comes, when um, God's Spirit comes and falls upon them, that they will receive power, and not just power, you know, to you know, like. Uh, like Michael Jordan, like Space Jam, where he drinks <laughs> yeah. the water and now he can like His special sauce, special spa- yeah, special sauce, do whatever. But he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses, um, and and you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to remember what I say, but also to be given the words. Right. Mm. So um, when when G- uh, Peter goes to preach Pentecost, it said that he was filled with the Holy Spirit yeah. and he and he gets up and, and speaks. Right. So uh, when he's standing before the council um, or before uh, I can't remember which emperor it was, like the Bible says says that, you know, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and he mm-hmm. spoke, and so the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say. Yeah. And so... It's all over Acts 6. I think of Peter. Yeah. Or sorry, Peter, then Stephen. Stephen mm-hmm. right in there in Acts 7. Uh, Philip, whenever he's um, evangelizing, I think, to the eunuch. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, more so than that, uh, Paul has said over and over and over again, anytime he's really doing that, that evangelism. And it's also, amazingly enough, said about Jesus, that Jesus was... Full of the Holy Spirit, Matthew and when three. yes, and he being filled with the Holy Spirit would then begin to preach and right. teach and 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 heal things like that. Yeah. So there's you can't get around this idea mm-hmm. that it is the Holy Spirit um, who is going to be giving you 
the words, who's going to give you the power, who's going to go before you. Um, John, we, uh, you mentioned a lot of verses in John, which was great. Luke 12, um, this whole, this whole passage, uh, Luke 12, as far as the chapter goes, is all about not having fear, right? Not having fear. And it's also what we preached on, uh, or Pastor Aaron preached on here last week, Luke 12, parable of the rich fool. Um, right before the parable of the rich fool, he says these words. And when they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and authorities, don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Yeah. What you ought to say. Do you think, Kyle, that a lot of our fear of evangelism stems from not knowing the power that we have in the Holy Spirit? Do you think it stems from something else? Um, what, what, what stops us as especially college students, college age, uh, people from being that witness to our neighbor? Yeah. Um, I think it's like a combination of, of a lot of those things, mm-hmm. right? Um, evangelism puts a lot of weight on us, right? Because, uh, we have to open our mouth and say something, right? Um, that's why, you know, I said this past weekend, there wasn't a whole lot of people that signed up for like canvassing or for like going to coin laundries because at, in those things, you have to open your mouth and talk to somebody else. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go to nursing homes, you have to do the same thing too, but like you're talking to a sweet old person, right? right like they're, right. they're not really going to be yeah. belligerent. Or firefighters or, or, giving them cookies, things right. like that. Yeah. Um, you know, now firefighters at the same time though, like South Campus had them come to their campus, they cooked them lunch, mm. and then they all sat down and ate and talked. Like, okay, that's, that's cool. another one yeah. too, right? Like, right. So, cause you're engaging with a really, if you think about it, it's a, it, it's really a group of people that if they're on call, they don't get to go to church. And mm. so either they get out of that practice or they, they have to make sure on the weeks that they're off that they are attending church or they're going back and listening to sermons. But it's really a, a un, unchurched you yeah. know, group, especially if you're on call most weekends. You're not Good going point. to church, and so you're not being able to do those things. So with those three groups, right, so with those first responders, as you sit down and talk with them, with those that are in the coin laundry, that are, that are trying to wash their clothes, those that are... Um, you know, just in their houses and their neighborhoods playing with their kids in the front yard while these just people are walking by, giving yeah. out flyers to come to Easter. All of those mean I have to open my mouth and say something. Mm-hmm. And that brings a lot of anxiety on people because, you know, maybe it's they don't like talking to people they don't know. A lot of that brings a, a lot of fear on what do I say? How do I say it? Like, how do I start this? This doesn't seem organic. Um, a lot of that comes from uh, even if I knew how to start it, what do I say? Like, how do I clearly communicate? communicate the gospel and, you know, two minutes to where it, I'm not 15 minutes mm-hmm. in still going like, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, so you're, you're following you're me, right? Following, right? That person's just yeah. like standing there like, I really would like to get back inside my <laughs> right. house or like yes. back to playing with my kids. And so I think it's I think it's a lot of things. Let me ask you this. You know, you work at a CrossFit gym. And mm-hmm. so like a couple of weeks ago, y- you had a guy that was in your gym. Yeah that um, got baptized here, and, and the story was that, you know, you guys kind of entered into a, a gospel conversation. So yeah. what was your biggest fear going into it? Like, what what mm. keeps you from – because, I mean, and we can do this with all of our lives, right? Yeah. But So that's the first one at the CrossFit gym that actually, like – We saw repentance on the spot. Correct. Yeah. Um, how many other times did you, like, talk with people mm. before, or how long did it take for you to – get over whatever fear you struggle with to go, you know what, I'm just going to go and, and I'm going to mm. engage in this conversation with this person. That's a really great question. I think that it started with 
or at least evangelism unlocked for me when two things became apparent. First, that it is the Holy Spirit who will fill me up. And so I'm not doing this alone. I mean, so many times throughout Scripture, God is telling, whether it's a prophet or a teacher, I will fill you up. I will give you words to say. And when I realized that that was a reality for me uh, with the Holy Spirit indwelling me, going to give me words to say, well, praise God, it's not all on me. And that freed me up, number one. Number two, the thing that I realized was that this isn't really an option. Like you noted, this is an act of obedience for the believer. And we could talk about that a little bit more, but this is something that we're every person is called to do, not just the guys who speak well and can maybe do a podcast. This is this is for all of us. And I'll even note, you know, there's this idea that, and I, this is not me tooting my own horn. This is really just me saying like, it's really hard out here, yo. Like it's not easy to do um, because some might look at, like, you know, maybe pastors or people who want to be pastors or, you know, people who are smooth in the way that they speak. And they might think, oh, like, it's just easy for them to engage in these conversations. But like most of the guys who are really smooth at talking probably hate being displeasing to people. They probably hate making people mad. They probably are people pleasers to their core. Um, and so it's not like it's like any easier per se for all of us, every single one of us. We have to lean into the Holy Spirit and, and take, let his words be ours. I mean, I was, I was riding in a car and I'll get back to CrossFit in one second. I promise. Okay. Um, I was riding a car back from, uh, North Carolina from Nate White's wedding and, uh, shouts out Nate White and we're riding back and I'm riding back with this dude from Fort Myers who I had not met except for two days before that. And we start, you know, chatting about life and I already knew he was kind of believer, that kind of thing. Um, but, he starts to ask these questions that are so like high level. We have to really think about this in terms of like, why would a God who is all sufficient um, need to even save people at all? Which might like be like, oh, because he's loving. And then the follow up question is why, right? So we have to really unpack these things. Every time he asks one of these questions, what I, what I tried to do um, was go in my head at the very least because I couldn't say it out loud. It'd be kind of awkward, right, and weird. But but in my head, I go. Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom to address this. Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom. Because, dude, I'm not smart enough to address those questions. And there's a reality where most of your gospel conversations will need to have a level of spiritual discernment where you're saying, what's the question behind this question, right? For this guy who's in the car, his question behind that question was, why is it so hard for me to live in obedience to Christ? I feel like I'm running a rat race when I follow mm. Jesus. That was the question behind his question of like, why would God do these things in the first place, right? Because he was tired. He's yeah. tired. He's he's tired of living this monotonous life. Right. I give that example just to say that like, for all of us, we are all going to have to say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Um, no matter if it's, I mean, because you look at when, when does the Holy Spirit fill you up? Verse 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour. And it's in that very hour that he's going to do that. So um, those are the two things that kind of unlocked it for me, that it's an act of obedience and that it's not really all on me. When it comes to, you know, engaging in my secular workplace and having these conversations, um, I tried to to approach it first and foremost with questions, right, to, to see, you know, what's really going on in their life, that kind of thing. Sometimes people just kind of drop in your lap. And, and you know, I, the situation with Bradley, who I got to baptize, that conversation started because I said something along the lines of, man, dude, I'm just thankful. God's doing really a lot of awesome things in my life. And we were, you know, it was after the class, we were just chatting it up and, and I said, yeah, dude, like God's just been really good. And he goes, man, that's awesome. He said, I don't really know God too much. I wish I could know more about him. And I like, was like, all right, the door is open. Right. right. Um, and we have to recognize those doors that are open. There's probably a lot more open doors than we realize. Um, but most of the time those doors aren't real, aren't knocked upon or open because 
you know, maybe we're not living in gratitude to the people around us. We're just always walking around like we got, you know, rain clouds over our head or, right. you know, those kind of things. And and not saying, even if it's hard in our life, not saying, hey, it's kind of hard lately, but I see God doing this. Or, you know, hey, I'm really grateful that God's been doing this lately. Yeah. Those are really great ways for people at least to start to take notice of this person lives on a very different yeah. um, playing field. And from there, it, the questions need to begin. So, you, you know, um, shout out to um, Mallory Madison that did that mm. podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, but, but Madison brought up a good point of, of just like having this Christianese phrases. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is sometimes we miss when someone uses that language. Yes. And we know that they don't speak that language. Mm. And so like, you know, he says, man, that's really awesome. I don't really know God that well, but I wish I did. Right. Well, part of that language is like God, right? Like, right. because it's, it's, it evolves around him. And so it's almost like, you know, speaking English, but having a Spanish background and, <laughs> yeah. and like going up to somebody and, and saying something in Spanish and they respond in Spanish. You're like, oh, cool. Anyway, and just continuing mm. the conversation in English, just not even recognizing, hey, like, oh, do you, do you know about that? Or do you, do you <laughs> yeah. want to know about that? Like, right. where are you at? And, and that's the thing is if you're not looking for it, mm. it's really easy to be numb to it because you're just not really trying to, you're not in the mindset of obedience to where, when there's wow. opportunities that present itself. That is such a great point, pastor, because we are not going to be ready when that moment comes. If we are not praying to that end before we get there. Correct. Um, and of course we're terrified whenever someone opens up that door. It's because we haven't thought about evangelizing yeah. or prayed for it for months. Of, of course that's going to terrify us. Right. But if we live in this pattern of our life where we say every day when we wake up, God, use me as a light. Make me a light in a dark place. God, give me the words to speak when these moments arise. Make me spiritually discerning for these things so that I can, yeah. I can preach your gospel. Well, then when that moment opens up, we're not like, wow, this is amazing. That's cool. Surprise. It's like, right. God, you did this. Yeah. And when you know that God is setting it up, you know that God's going to empower it through. Right. You know that he's going to see it to the end. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you make a great point about like the, these, this language that is so implicit in our culture. But, you know, people say all the time, like, man, like all these blessings, you know, I got, I got yeah. well, who's blessing you? Who's blessing right? Yeah. Or man, what is I'm, a blessing? Like, yeah. What is a blessing? Right. Yeah. Is it a gift? A gift from who? Right. Like, right. And, and, or like, you know, someone says something like, man, I'm just, I'm so happy. And you, you can really press into that. Like, okay. Like, tell me, like, what are some of the things that have brought you a lot of happiness? Well, like, or, you know, people that have the, 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 the chain or, or even the tattoo of a right. cross, right? Um, so many people get like, you know, gothic crosses because they just think they look cool. Yes. Right. It's not because they're trying to have a conversation starter. Like, or the irony is, is that they like tattoo a conversation starter without even knowing <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's so doing. good. Right. And that's um, so God, yeah, you know, that's sure. so God just hunting people down. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And so, um, but no, like it's, it is out there. There's opportunities, you know, to do that mm. if you're looking, if well you have that, you know, that was the, that's the big thing when it comes to worldview. Um, mm. it, it's the lens in which you view the world. Like it's, it's yeah. the lens in which you kind of see how, you know, how the world functions and, and, you know, what the order is within the world. And if mm. you're not constantly putting on those, those worldview kind of glasses, if you will, to see it that way, you're going to miss a lot of details that, are opportunities for obedience or, mm. or for evangelism because you're just, you know, blissfully ignorant to, you know, what's even going on around yeah. you. You just yeah, and you're kind of just coasting, yeah. right? And and that's such a shame. And I and I think that 
if I was to make a note about, again, going back to that reason of obedience, um, we obey, and this is, this is key to think of when we think, well, why would I even wake up in the morning and pray this in the first place? Right. We obey and we want to see, um, God's gospel being preached because we look at a place around us, whether it's your workplace, your school, your family, and we say, God is not being worshiped here as he's supposed to. Right. Uh, God, God is worthy of all the praise. He is holy, holy, holy. Yeah. And I know that about him and I want him to be praised as he's supposed to be. Right. Um, uh, Paul Washer notes that, you know, when you're doing ministry down in, let's say, pick your random place like Afghanistan or something. Right. When you're doing ministry in Afghanistan and you keep getting kicked out of the market and then you start getting beaten and then you start having death threats put on your life every time you go back there to preach the gospel, what will keep you running back there is not your love of people. Mm-hmm. It will not be that you just think like, oh my gosh, I just want these people to be saved so bad because I just love them and I don't want them to go to hell. There will be a, there will be probably a lot in your flesh thinking, man, that's what they deserve. Right. But what will keep you going back is this idea of, God is so merciful. God is so powerful. And honestly, these people were made to worship God. And so I'm going to play a part in God getting the worship that he deserves. Right. Um, and that will be what keeps us having these conversations, again, in every one of those uh, places in our life. It's, it's, it's not that we just are like, oh, I don't want my, my neighbor to go to hell. It is my neighbor will find their fullest, most joyful life and eternal life whenever they submit to what they were made to be which is a worshiper it's a worshiper primarily and so um we can help play it play a part in that well and and if we would take obedience back to its main foundation Hmm. obedience and evangelism has nothing to do with the other person well well said like i mean if we think of it that way yeah has nothing to do with the other person like i I go to the other person yes because you know i i love them and i want to see them reach but obedience at its basic form is the response in faith, you know, the response to the faith that we have, you know, received or the salvation we have received through faith, right? So obedience is that response to salvation. Yes. And then it's it's motivated by um, the, the love of God, which, you know, Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm-hmm. and then love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. So the motivation of obedience is... Um, you know, allows it to kind of then be uh, aimed at those that we're around because we love God and because we love God so much, we mm. love the things of God and we love who God loves, and that is those that are made in His image. Mm. And so we we go to those people, and then the the last element is exactly what you say because not only in our own lives but in their lives as well we want them to be filled with joy right jesus mm-hmm. says in john chapter 15 verse 11 these things i have spoken to you uh, to abide in him that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full well, mm-hmm. right and so he mm-hmm. says like i'm telling you to abide in me so that you can be filled with joy mm-hmm. you can be filled with my joy um we're telling them the gospel b- because we want them to receive the same salvation that we've received, be be filled with the same love that we have received and be motivated by that love, and then also for them to be completely overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord. And so that's what motivates us to evangelism. It's not... If you don't evangelize that person, you don't love that person. That is an element of it. But we're at a deeper issue here. If you're not evangelizing that person, it's a direct act of disobedience to what God has called you to do. So now really, who is the one that you don't love the most? 
do do you not love that person the most or do you not love the Lord that most wow. th- th- that much because if you love the Lord as Jesus says in John 14 if you love me you will keep my commandments mm, and what's and, his command and, and his biggest his last command is the the great commission the great yes. commandment you know or the great sending out which mm-hmm. is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And so, like, that's the ultimate, you know, reason why we evangelize. And so that's why, you know, when we have days like Go Day, we're providing, we want to provide an opportunity for those that struggle with being obedient, mm. especially in evangelism, opportunities to grow to be more um, likely to repeat that obedience on their own. Yeah. And the the sad thing is, is that a lot of times um, people don't sign up for that, so they're not even obedient to work at being obedient. Wow. Um, and then to lead others to obedience after that. Absolutely. Well, then, you know, it's interesting. There's a, there's a level where it's more uh, – more scary to evangelize as someone who you know personally than it is to evangelize to a stranger. And so mm-hmm. I think that those, you know, those days where we're getting out there in the community and saying, God, I want you to be worshiped here as you should be to strangers, um, is, is actually kind of like a nice little testing ground for your, your home, for yep. your workplace, things like that. Think about it this way. There's people, cause we're, we're sending it, we're doing a trip in July, right? You're mm-hmm. going, mm-hmm. a lot of college students are going, we are going down to Mexico. The crazy thing is that People will fly halfway across the world Mm -hmm. and talk to a people that don't speak their same language, that aren't in their same culture, and have, like, not a whole lot in common. Right. And they will go down and share the gospel with that person. But with their neighbor that's literally right beside them, that speaks their same language, that's in their same context, same culture, they won't say one word. And and to be honest, like I'm convicted of that too. Like, do I share the gospel as many times as I can? Or do I have those kind of conversations that's hoping to lead to gospel conversations with my neighbor as I should? Or am I doing it as much as I should? Mm. And and in my mind right now, the conviction is the answer is no. Mm. Right. But, but a lot of times it's so easier to go to a random person who we don't know. And we don't even know, like your neighbor, you're cordial with your neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. We're all in the same neighborhood. We want it to be safe. We want everybody's yard to look good. And so like you're outside, you wave, they wave, you're, you're like in a good relationship. You walk into the stranger, they don't know who you are. You don't know where the, you know, you know what they've been through in life. Like you have no idea, Mm. you know, who you are talking to. But you're just willing to go up and just have this conversation because, well, it is easier than that person yeah. because, like, if they if they yell at me or if they say they don't like me, then and that's and that's the the point that I think is good for us to kind of wrap up this idea of obedience with, and that is that um, when we do it to obey Jesus, the fear of rejection mm. uh, becomes obsolete. Absolutely, because I know that. Uh, Christ will not reject me. Right. I know that that I will be received into his arms. These these people don't hold my eternity in their hands. I'm not worried about them um, giving me any sort of commandments. I'm worried about Christ and what he says to do him. And so we kind of established the foundation, right? That the Holy Spirit is the power. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Um, and in that, when you walk in the Holy Spirit, you are then being obedient to the commandments of Jesus. Right. On that note, um, Let's get like real quick into the application maybe or maybe maybe some of the more practical steps. Um, 
how how do we engage in gospel conversations? Um, what are some good like starting points? We talked about already. Hey, keep your eyes open for these moments where God might be saying, "Step up, now's the time." Right. Right. Um, but what kind of anything else comes to mind for you in terms of ways that you go about having these conversations, like at a laundromat or yeah. you know with your I say coworkers, but um, coworkers that you've even had in the past when you were right. not in the church, things like that. Yeah. So, I think a lot of times it's easier to start conversations than we think um, mm. because we can find things in common pretty quickly. When, when we went to laundromats, um, the guys that I went up to and talked to are the ones that you know I felt drawn to, and those they were three different dads that mm-hmm. were doing laundry that were watching their kids. And so for me, that's easy. Like, how old are your kids? Okay. Uh, you know, I have two at home. One's just about to turn two and the other's like 10 months. Oh man, that's crazy. You know, how's it going? You getting some sleep? Yeah, it's, it's good, mm-hmm. man. You're here with your kids. Like, you know, you're not babysitting. You're being a dad today. Like, and, and, mm-hmm. and we're going to the laundry and we're doing stuff like this, man. Like, how do you do it? And, mm-hmm. and, and not even say like, Dude, I'm so nervous to raise kids like in today's day and age. Like it's just such a big task and all these other different things. Now, in the conversation that I had, the two guys that I went to, um, you know, that they communicated, man, you just got to do it with the Lord's strength and, and, and through prayer and things like that. Now, uh, for me, okay, there's one road. Okay. So what, how do you do that? Mm. So like, you know, do you, do, you know, so you pray to the Lord, you ask. So now I'm asking questions like basically just trying to understand what they mean by yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, it, okay, so do you take them to church? Do you raise them this? Oh, well, you know, we, we don't really go to church. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, why not? Like, why do you not go to church? Uh, one guy was like, man, we go to church, but you know, to be honest, I don't go that often. It's across town and we live right over here. And it's like, okay, well, like, mm-hmm. Right across the street. Right across the street. Yeah. Like, here's our church, come to Easter, things like that. And But every time I talked with a dad, um, shared a little bit of the gospel with one, but at the end I always wanted to say, like, well, listen, we're with the church right across the street, and we'd love to have you come to Easter, and, and I want to see you. I want to come find you. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's like, you know, at that point, the conversation can keep going, mm-hmm. and, and, yes. and we can continue to have yes. this. A lot of people, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel, either with friends or with those that are, they're kind of um, close in proximity to, it's like, if I can't do a one-and-done mm. here— then I've lost my opportunity. And that's just not true, right? That's why Pastor Aaron really encourages, if you're in a D group, to do it in a public setting and to do it with other people or do it in a public setting and, and do it every week continually in that same place. Yeah, around the same people. Around the same people. Mm-hmm. So that um, as people continue to watch you week in and week out, come every Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. And, and do your D group there. Um, at I think uh, one of the D groups that I know uh, meets at Denny's. And so like, they're there at like 5.30 every, <laughs> every Thursday morning or um, Tuesday morning. But... Um, they've got to have multiple conversations with the waitress that's mm-hmm. typically working on those days, or at least the two that like switch on and off. And then they've gotten to pray for both of them. And then they've gotten wow. to have continued conversations. They know each other's name. You know, they're kind of on this first name basis a little bit. And so you build relationships that way. So I think a lot of it is we find what we have in common and then in those areas where, okay, actually, 
I know this person a little bit more intimately than just a random person on the street, then understanding like it's not all on me, number one, mm. to have this conversation in just one shot. One done, this right. is what I got. Um, you know, it can continue on yes. into later. Um, and, and so we just we seek to that end. Yeah, we, we start with some sort of common ground is always a great call to see kind of where they're at and where we are. Oh, that's awesome. You, you also do this. That's cool. Um, and then from there, um, starting to ask them questions about themselves personally. Like I always, I always am reminded that people love to talk about themselves yeah. always or love to talk about what they think. And so when someone does say, a, you know, Lord strength or when someone does say, you know, it's, it's all God, it's like, what do you mean by that? Like, yeah. I, I think most people are comfortable with you asking a follow-up question of like, oh, well, like when you think of God, like what do you think of, right? And don't make it intense. Don't make it weird. Just ask that question. What do you know about yeah. God? You don't know God. <laughs> How could you say you know God? Right. Um, it's not like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, oh, okay. Like, well, do you like go to church? Follow-up questions like that are great. Right. Uh, and then from there, you'll start to see a picture. You're trying to always figure out a picture, I would say, of where are they at, right? Locate them. Locate them where they are. This is what um, this is actually what God does in the garden in Genesis uh, when, when uh, Adam and Eve fall. What's the first question he asks them? Where are you? Right. And so when we're counseling and teaching people about Jesus, um, let's figure out where they are. Let's ask that location. And that comes through questioning and seeing where they mean by that. And then from there... Once we know where we where they are, we'll know much better uh, where they need to go, yeah. right? Um, and not ev- and so that's this is what's cool. It's cool is that the conversation you had finished in like a, oh well, hey, I would love to see you at church. Sometimes the conversations that I have with people who I you know ask follow up questions to, and it seems like oh these people really know Jesus. Praise God, awesome. I would right. say, well, hey, how can I pray for you? Yeah. And I had a lady who I got to pray for, and um, she just began to weep as I was praying for her at the laundromat. And, uh, you know, I'd found out beforehand that she had lost her mom that same year. She was just really missing her mom. Mm-hmm. And so when I started praying and talking about, and Lord, we rejoice that, that, um, her mother knew you. And right now her mother is in the complete joy of being in Christ. And in that moment, she just began to weep. I think she maybe needed to hear right. that, that her mom is, um, not in a better place. That's, that's cheesy, but, but to hear that, um, that her mom's joy has been made complete right. and then she's getting there too. She's yeah. on the way. Right. Right. And so sometimes it ends with the, how can I pray for you? Yeah. Um, other times you'll start to ask those location questions Yeah. and you start to realize very quickly, Oh, this person does not believe they don't want anything to do with it. Or, I mean, some these are different, you know, scenarios that you'd approach differently, but, right. but um, let's just say people are not believers. Well, where would you go from there? Um, someone says kind of clearly like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I just don't really believe in this whole God thing. Um, how would you approach that? Um, any anything come to mind like off the bat? I think that's one of those that I start to. I'm a little bit more cautious than most mm. because what I don't want to do is now engage this person in a 45 minute debate <laughs> yeah, on yeah. like, well, like why not? How what is your standard for for truth? Like mm. where, where? So do you believe in absolute? Like. I think at that point, like that dude's there, like, dude, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do my laundry. Mm-hmm, like, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to, like, you know, get get through the day. I think that's where personal evangelism probably has the upper leg when it comes to, you know, a, you know, sitting back and being ha- able to have those yeah. conversations with people that know you and you know them, mm-hmm. right? You can have those when it's in public. 
um, and someone's being really dismissive and, and I'm not trying to do that. Um, what I don't want to do is also cause a scene and mm-hmm. it's like, hey, this guy's making me incredibly uncomfortable because mm-hmm. he's being belligerent and not right. not letting me continue on with uh-huh. my day. Yeah. Um, because then at that point, all those people are looking at me and I'm like, well. Well, I guess I got to go now. I'm not talking to anybody <laughs> yeah, else in here, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And so I think for me, that's, you know, that's one where I'm like, if if it does turn this way, I might try to ask one or two more questions, but I don't really want to, you know, labor on the issue mm-hmm. because I, I don't, I don't want to make them feel to the point to where they're just like, okay, this is why I think this way because mm. of this, these people right here that always feel like they got to fix me, mm-hmm. like whenever mm-hmm. I say something like that. Yep. Um, yep. While at the same time, that is a, a good opportunity just to to show love and, and to try to do those things. Um, at some point. Again, as someone that that prefers more relational evangelism, at some point you you just kind of sit back and go, "Well, for this setting, this is all I could do." And 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 I think a large part of all we can do is we can trust that Scripture is sufficient right. and plant seeds. So, like I had a lady at the laundromat who uh, was agnostic, um, said that pretty clearly. Said she doesn't really have a whole bunch of desire to go to church, things like that. And I'd heard, you know, she, I asked her a couple of questions, found out she was a nurse, that kind of thing. And she's obviously the laundromat. You know, I don't, I don't know what's going on in her life, but I was like, you're probably pretty tired, right? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I get a little tired sometimes, but I'm doing okay. I'm making it. And I go, well, and I can't remember her name. I think it was Danielle. I said, well, Danielle, um, I'll leave you with this and I promise I'll get out of your hair. Um, but Jesus says that uh, if we come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, he will give us rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I want you to know Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life and his plan is to to um, fill you up with joy and not just w- keep you weary, right? Yeah. Left it there, said have a great day, that kind of thing. And so so maybe you have not back pocket Bible verses, but but you you have some scripture laid up in your heart. You could clearly say, okay, this is this is a part of who Jesus is, and I and I think this is helpful for you to know in this moment. Right. Um, in the more personal encounters, and we'll we'll kind of wrap up here. In those more impersonal personal encounters, um, someone says they don't really believe. Um, in the personal evangelism sense, when we're you know at coffee, someone says that, or you know I'm at the gym and I'm I'm talking to someone there. Um, what are what are some ways? That, what are some questions you might ask? Or um, do you go? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Like for me, and then you kind of like lay out your story. What's the best way to go about that? For me, mm-hmm. I take more of the um, philosophical route, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so kind of like you say, uh, or kind of like you had alluded to, um, when, when someone was like, well, well, you know, I really don't believe in a lot of that. You know, I always go to, okay, so do you believe in anything? Mm-hmm. Well, I believe there there's a higher power, but, you know, just not really, you know, God, I think it's something else. I was like, okay, so, so what is your standard for? Like, I'll accept this, I won't accept this, and and that should get us more into where I can feel the situation out more. If someone's like, well, like I just think God's incredibly mean, or like you just read the old, the Bible and it's just a bunch of mm-hmm. rules, or you just read the Bible and it's just a bunch of like crazy stuff, and I, I'm just not for that. Or right. I like to worship God on my own. Correct. Yeah. Or the common phrase today is, is you know. I don't want a God, you know, a God that doesn't like, you know, homosexuality or, or that mm. is against this Abortion over here is, against, is, yeah. is not a God that I want to, you mm-hmm. know, that I want to worship. Um, 
all of those things now get us into this kind of sub- subjective moral reasoning mm-hmm. in our minds to where it's like, oh, okay, so you want to be the arbiter of truth. You don't want to be the one that kind of dictates what's good and what's bad. Okay, so like you want to create this God in and of yourself. Okay, so like how does that work for you? So how do you like when suffering comes, like wh- how do you deal with mm-hmm. it? And a lot of times people was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't really know. It just right. depends, yeah. right? Or, yeah. well, how do you answer evil? Mm. Uh, well, you know, just bad things. Okay, so like, but but you know, scripture, scripture also says that like e- evils here because you know we're all corrupt, we're yeah. all wicked, like we're in a sin cursed world. Um, and so I think a lot of it is just engaging. You know, this is where not only knowing scripture, um, but but desiring to. Defend the faith as, mm-hmm. as, you know, always be ready to give a defense. But a defense for what? As Peter says, a defense for the reason for the hope Amen. that is in you. Amen. The reason why I choose to follow Christ or why I follow Christ is because yeah. when I look at the world, I, I see all of this mm-hmm. and I, I, I want to know, you know, I was seeking to know why in scripture answers all of these questions and it addresses all of these things. And that's why I put my faith and hope in Christ because of who he is and what he's done because he addresses all of these Mm. issues. Um, And so I think when when we're ready to – when we understand that's why we believe what we believe, then we'll be able to talk about it with anybody. It's the same reason like, hey, Devin, why do you like CrossFit? Oh, my goodness. How much time do you have? But, but I mean, it's yeah, that right. question, mm-hmm. right? You could answer that question and say, like, with as much giddy as you just did, how much time do you have? Yeah. But if, when you ask somebody, why are you a follower of Christ? They're just like, um, well, you know, like, whenever I was seven, I got saved. Wow. It's like, wow. That's, we're going all the way back to, to elementary. Mm. God hasn't done anything in your life since, since then. then he like, hasn't given you any reason for hope since right, then. Like, right. Like, we have to, we have to go far back in time. Yeah. Like, it's almost like the Cowboys fans, like, been a Cowboys fan since 90s. <laughs> yeah, yep. Because that's about as much as they've, like, the, the main thing that's that they did. Hope as they've experienced. Was in the 90s, yeah, right? In the 90s, yeah. But, but uh, since then, no, right. no reason. Mm. And so, um, I think. It's a good word. I think a lot of people just don't know. Don't know to, their reason for hope. Right. Yeah, and and so I think wrapping up with this idea of, well, what do I do? Well, I think you you know your story, you know how God's been good to you, you talk about that, and then you relate it back to the gospel because we're not just being witnesses of good stories, mm. we're we're witnessing to the meta story or the big story, the better story, the better story, the best story that our hearts were made for, and that is that um, that God created this world, sin corrupted it. But God, in all of his love and mercy, had a plan to save it through his son, Jesus Christ, and he's coming back again. Right. And you can be on his team by believing in faith. Right. Now, that's really exciting, and there's a lot that can go into that. But know how that, what I just said, relates to your story. How have you seen that play out in your life? Right. When God created you, you uh, were sin, uh, when God created you, um, you began to sin. You 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 rebelled from him. And then, how was he gracious and merciful to turn you and 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 give you um, in his kindness a helping hand, a reaching hand to save you through his Son Jesus Christ? And what have you seen in Christ that now gives you life for today? Now gives you hope for tomorrow. Um, and so, so I would say, know the gospel well and know your story well, and that will that will translate to people so much more than. Um, some of these, you know, brow beating, um, 
really intense uh, dialogues that we see on the internet, um, which there's a place for that sometimes. But Mm. I think most of the time, um, approach people in love and gentleness. That's what Peter says, in in gentleness, present a defense. So we know that, concluding thoughts, that the Holy Spirit fills us up, that it is in obedience that we evangelize to others because God ought to be worshiped and glorified. And we glorify him and worship him by the way that we pray for other people and by the way that we tell the gospel through our lives and with our mouths. Hmm. Um, It's worth it. Um, It's so worth it. The joy of seeing someone else enter the family of God is unparalleled. Um, and, And I encourage you to go... Go hunt that down and pray that God would do it. Don't settle for a life where where you just kind of wake up every morning and, and the people around you are dying without hope yeah. and you are just like, well, hope someone else tells them. Right. No, God's put you there for a reason. Yeah. For a reason. Um, go find that reason. Amen. Awesome. Well, go in peace.